God, we just want to take this moment now just to continue to be in your presence this morning. Lord, it's fantastic that we can have this opportunity to be before you today. Lord, to just dwell a moment in your presence. God, and as we spend the rest of this morning together just hearing something of your word, Lord, I pray that your presence will be with us in such a tangible way. God, that we'll just feel you and you will speak directly into each of our hearts something this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It's great to be here again this morning. I always think on a Sunday morning, as much as it's often getting up early and getting here, we are so privileged to be in such a fantastic church where we can worship God and just be free to be who we are. And it's fantastic that we can do that again today. If any of you don't know who I am, perhaps I'm a bit familiar now, but if not, um, my name's Liz Robinson. I'm one of the leaders here at Zion. I'm just going to be unpacking a little bit of really what I feel God's really been speaking to me about over these past few weeks. So I just really hope that, and I pray and I, and I know by God's grace that some of what I'll share this morning will hopefully impact you and, and just send us out of here with perhaps something new to think on in each of our lives. But something that I just love when God kind of connects things together and so much of some of the worship we've sung this morning and uh, when we were praying uh, just a short while ago before we came out, just before the service started, we we're talking about this idea of praying into this idea of transforming lives and I think really that's kind of where my heart starting from this morning with what God's kind of put on my heart is how can we live transformed lives and I think perhaps probably as well a lot of my experience for about well about half my life the last 15 years I've been really privileged to do youth work in various different situations and for here for quite some time now and I think being in that environment and then being in a life group, adult life group environment as well, and then being here on a Sunday, I think I've often seen Christians have this idea of living from high to high and kind of living for those moments of really being impacted by God and really feeling something of his presence, which is fantastic, isn't it? And I think this morning we can say it's one of those moments where we've just felt that touch of God again. But I think what God's really put on my heart is how can we not just live from high to high from those amazing experiences of God? How can we have those high moments almost every day? How can we live out and live in that presence of God every day, not just perhaps when we're here in church on a Sunday, where we see something miraculous happen, when we kind of just feel that touch of God. How can we live in that day to day? Um, And I think I'm someone very much that I love experiencing God, absolutely love that tangible thing of God. But I think there is something almost more to faith than that, isn't there? Faith calls us to believe without seeing. It calls us to believe in something that isn't kind of tangible all the time right there in front of us. And I think God's just really speaking to me on that at the moment. How do we live in that presence of God day by day, perhaps without feeling it, without having that incredible moment of of kind of the touch of God, but still living in that presence of God in in our faith. 
when I uh, first started to work here, I remember one of my friends saying to me, oh, fantastic, it must be incredible working for a church. Now, I'm not going to say it's not before you all get worried. It is incredible and it is such a great privilege to work for a church and, and a kind of a group and community such as Zion is. But it was great some of the things they came out with. They said, well, surely you all agree on everything and you must pray like during every meeting and you must walk in in the morning and like the presence of God must just hit you as you walk through the doors and it must just be so easy working in that environment. Now, as I've said, it is a great privilege and I absolutely love it. But I think, you know, for those of you that might think perhaps I'm coming from a slightly warped um, perspective here. I think it's interesting to know we are human and probably if you did come in some days in the week it wouldn't feel that different to any other office you've been in. But I think you know it's important whatever place we are in life, whatever we do, wherever we work, whether we're at home, whether we've got a family, whatever our daily lives are, I think we could all do with a little bit more of just living in the presence of God on a daily basis. And I think as well, there's something about, I think it's just a general human condition, isn't it? And we make a distinction between a sacred place and a secular place. And we almost see that there are these particular sacred places, for want of of a better word, where we can meet with God. And actually, God doesn't meet us in the secular places. But I don't think God makes that distinction at all. God is everywhere. And there is a great quote. I love C.S. Lewis. I'm a massive fan of the Narnia books and probably virtually everything he's read, although I haven't read everything he's, haven't read everything he's written, but I do love C.S. Lewis. And there's a great quote that I think just really sums this up. It says this, We may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito, and the incognito is not always hard to penetrate. The real labour is to remember to attend. In fact, to come awake, still more to remain awake. I just think that's amazing, isn't it? That idea that God's presence is everywhere. Whatever we're doing, wherever we are, whatever activities we're involved in, whoever we're with, God's presence is with us. The task for us is to remain awake and to recognise it. So just kind of going really a bit into the Bible, and I think there's so many different occasions, aren't there, in the Bible. I mean, I'm sure if we all put up our hand and said, you know, we could all say something this morning of where someone in the Bible really experiences the power and the presence of God. And I think as I started to think this through, the first one that came into my head was the transfiguration um, in Luke 9, 28 to 36. And we read this account of Peter, James and John who go up a mountain with Jesus to pray. I mean, that in itself, going up a mountain with Jesus. I mean, going up the mountain, maybe not. I'm not that fit. But that whole idea of praying with Jesus must have just been an awesome, awesome time for them. And so they go up this mountain and all of a sudden it says, Jesus' appearance completely changed into being one of bright white. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah 
appeared there with him. Now, Peter, being the headstrong disciple that some of us all know, you know, right in there, doesn't want that moment to end. And so he suggests putting up some shelters so they can stay there and dwell in that presence and stay in that presence. I think I'd have been quite like Peter with this as well. I think I'd have gone, wow, this is amazing. Why do we need to go down off this mountain? Let's just stay here forever. This is awesome. And I think, um, you know, we could look through all the different reasons of why the transfiguration happened and what was really going on and, and all that kind of thing. But I think for me, in this passage, you get a real sense of Peter just not wanting to leave that moment, that incredible presence of Jesus and then God speaking over Jesus's son. And perhaps it's one of those moments where Peter really realized who Jesus was, not just this incredible man on earth, but actually that he was the son of God. And I think we could all say we can understand why he wanted to stay there and dwell in that time. And as we perhaps know or don't know, Peter was at Jesus' side for most of the three years of Jesus' ministry. And he must have been used to seeing the miraculous, mustn't he? You know, seeing the amazing things that Jesus did, seeing the power with which Jesus spoke, the way he really spoke into people's lives. And yet there was something about this moment that he just wanted to stay in. I'm sure when we look back over our own lives, there's going to be times when we've experienced something like that, experienced a moment with God where we just don't want to leave and we don't want to lose that. And please don't get me wrong with what I'm saying today. I know God wants us to have those moments, definitely. But I'm wondering about this situation, whether actually Jesus didn't just want them to dwell there and stay there. What he actually wanted was for them to move on, to move forward, to push on, to experience God in different ways, in new ways, not just on that mountaintop in this amazing moment, but to actually push on for more moments that are like that and push on for more things to happen. We can look back in the Old Testament, and when I was thinking of that, there was a couple that kind of immediately came to mind. The first one of Moses. You know, I love the accounts of when Moses, again, goes up mountains to meet with God and and to dwell in God's presence, and, and when he writes the Ten Commandments and everything. And in Exodus 34, we see one of these times when Moses goes up and meets with God, and, and God speaks to him. And it says he was so overcome by God's presence that he threw himself onto the ground and worshipped God. Now, I know that that's probably happened to me in worship at times over the years. I don't think that's ever happened to me when I've been in Asda, maybe doing my shop with my green token or places like that. But how awesome is that, that he was so overcome by God that all he could do was throw himself onto the ground and worship him. Wouldn't it be amazing if that did happen in Asda? And we were all there with our trolleys, and all of a sudden, (laughs) we all start worshipping God. How awesome is that? And then when Moses came down from the mountain, his face shone with the radiance of God. Wow, I would love it if my face shone with the radiance of God every day. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? And it got to the point when he got to the bottom that Aaron and the other people were afraid to come near him because he looked so different. There was something about Moses after that encounter that 
made them think, what's happened? What's gone on? There was something there that they were awestruck with, something there that perhaps they didn't quite understand. There was a respect there, a reverence for who God is and what his power could do. And I think when we look at that and when we think as well kind of the time that Moses lived for those of you that perhaps know some of the Old Testament the idea of the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant that the Israelites carried around in the desert with them when they put up the tabernacle only certain priests certain special people could go into that place because they saw how awesome the power of God was and you had to be anointed you had to be in a special place to be able to kind of meet with God in that way and experience that presence. And something that I know perhaps a lot of us have always thought is, oh, the Israelites, you know, they wander around the desert for years and years and years, a journey that actually in reality should have only taken them a matter of days. But it says in in Exodus, it says about how the presence of God guided them through that desert. In the day, it was just a pillar of kind of cloud And at night, it was a pillar of fire. How incredible, leading you every single day was something so visible, you couldn't ignore it really, because it must have reached so high, there were so many of them to kind of see it and follow it. Something so tangible there in experiencing and seeing God's presence. And then the other one from the Old Testament that just kind of the other account that came into my mind is one that's almost completely different, but again happens on a mountainside. I'm thinking there's a theme here. We all need to go and stand on a mountain maybe this morning, walk up Clent whilst the sun's out. And that's of Elijah. I love the story of Elijah. I just think what an incredible man of God for doing everything that he did. And it was at a time when the people were rejecting him, they were rejecting God, and basically wanted to kill Elijah, were out kind of for his blood. And in 1 Kings 19, 11, God tells Elijah to go out. He's been in a cave, and he says to Elijah, go out onto the mountainside. And it says this, as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Elijah knew. He knew when God was passing by. I think if that was me, I'd think, oh, that mighty wind, that's got to be God. He's moved part of the mountain. He's moved the rocks. That's got to be God. But Elijah knew the presence of God was in that whisper. It didn't need the noise. It didn't need the spectacle. It didn't need the drama. It was in that quietest point of all. There was something so powerful that Elijah couldn't do anything but recognize that was God. And we're really privileged today because we're living kind of after Jesus has come, after he's been risen from the dead, and we can live in a place where we can dwell in God's presence and not have kind of the things perhaps of the Old Testament where certain people were kind of allowed into these places like the tabernacle. And we look at the amazing encounter Paul had in the New Testament on the road to Damascus. Paul was someone who'd done everything in his power to stop the spread of the gospel. And he was traveling on the road to Damascus when suddenly this light shone down from heaven 
And immediately, he couldn't do anything, but he fell to the floor. And automatically, at that point, his life was transformed from that experience, that encounter with God. He went from being a persecutor of Christians to be a preacher for God. That experience of being in the presence of God, it motivated him into mission. It motivated him into a new vision for his life. And with all the trials and the different things we read about that he went through in his life, he kept on going and to spread the gospel. And I just wonder how much did that encounter with God and then the subsequent times when he met with God, probably on a daily or very frequent basis, did that carry on motivating, carry on giving him that vision, that mission to spread the gospel for God? And I'm sure we can look at our own lives, we can look at our friends' lives, other people we know, and we know there are moments when they've had that striking meeting with God, that being in his presence maybe for the first time or it took till like the 30th time before they really recognised who he was. But that moment that perhaps changed them, that changed their perspective, or just that touch that they really needed at that particular time of God just speaking into their life. And I realise as I kind of go on further in my journey of faith that more and more it is impossible for us to live from those high moments without something in between, without us recognising that we need to come before God in our daily lives, in the little things in life. And I can stand here to say today and say, I don't know if I'd be here today if it wasn't for particular encounters that I remember in my teenage years where God really spoke to me and said some powerful things over my life that I would say changed my personality, changed who I was to be able to be the kind of person that's standing up here today sharing something that God's put on my heart. And I think if we go back to that quote from C.S. Lewis, God's presence is always there. The hardest thing is for us to be awake and remain awake to it. There's a great, I'm a big reader, I love my books, um, and there's a great little book written on the thoughts of a guy that lived many, many years ago now called Brother Lawrence that some of you may have heard of called Practicing the Presence of God. Now, if you don't know, Brother Lawrence was a monk Um, for the kind of latter part of his life and he worked for the last 30 years of his life working in the kitchen cooking and cleaning in the monastery and this is one of the things he said the time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer and in the noise and clatter of my kitchen while several persons are at the same time calling for different things I possess God in a great tranquility as if I were on my knees. Wow. I'm sure many of us here can identify with that idea of many people calling for many things all at the same time, whether that's at home with children, whether it's at work, whether it's just when we're out and about. There's always demands on us, aren't there? There are always people perhaps asking things of us or things we need to do, that busyness of life. But I think this is just fantastic, isn't it? As Brother Lawrence puts it, he possesses a tranquility of God, even in those times when other things are taking our attention away, when other people are calling our attention away. Do we still have that mind, that presence, that tranquility of the presence of God? Brother Lawrence knows he can listen out for God, that he's doing God's work, and that creates this amazing sense of peace within him.
He then goes on to say this, we can do little things for God. I turn the cake that's frying on the pan for love of him and that done, if there is nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself in worship before him who has given me grace to work. Afterwards, I rise happier than a king. It is enough for me to pick up but a straw from the ground for the love of God. Wow. When I was reading that, I was thinking, I wish I could say that was me when I'm sitting at my desk working every minute of the day or when I'm doing the washing up at home, that I'm standing there praising God for enabling me to be able to do it. I think a lot of us would say that's not our attitude, is it? Sometimes not the way we think about some of the jobs we get given to do. Just that idea of the smallest of things, the littlest of things we can do in God's name, we can do in his presence. And I think something else Brother Lawrence said is so, so great. And he said this, the key to living in the presence of God is to have a continual conversation with him. Now, I know some of these ideas, they date back to, it was like the 1600s when Brother Lawrence was around, and some of them perhaps we think are a bit dated to where we're at today. How can we apply some of these things when the phone's ringing, when I've got the kids screaming, when I'm trying to get in the car to go here to do the shopping, when I've got to see to this, that, and the other, answer emails, write letters, write emails back and all that. How can, you know, we almost put that simplicity of life into our daily lives today? How can we have that daily, that hourly, that moment conversation with God through our lives? I just wonder how much, though, this would help us battle with the things that come into our head. Those feelings of inadequacy, oh, I'm never going to get this done, or if I do get it done, it won't be right. Am I even doing the right thing? Why am I doing this? Is this the right thing? Why am I even here? Or why am I putting my time into doing this again and again when I know what's happened before? But I just wonder how this idea of trying to live continually in God's presence won't just help us in meeting with God but will help us in that state of mind and help us and give us that power and capacity to battle those kind of thoughts. I'm a big lover of the Psalms as well, and I think some of the things written there are just so wise and great for us to put into our lives today. One of the things David said, this is in Psalm 27, verses 4 to 6. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me on a high rock. There I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. David's seeing that living in God's presence can be a help in bringing us closer to God, but also can give us that strength in daily life. It doesn't mean that the problems, that the trials, that the difficulties that we all go through or have gone through or are still to go through in life will go away. But it means God is more than just a mountaintop experience. He's a daily experience for us. And I don't want to trivialise anything today that, that people have gone through or are going through now at all. We all know life is tough and, and things do happen and we wish they didn't and we pray to God that they didn't. But I just wonder how much of this might help, how much of this might help us in living with the daily struggles that we go through.
when I got to this point in planning kind of what I was going to say today earlier in this week, um, I had a great moment in my week this week, which I just think kind of has, for me, has really summed this up in my own life. Um, Steve, my husband, he doesn't drive. And as we know, the weather has been a bit bad this week, hasn't it? Um, and he, he tends to get around on a little scooter, which is great. Tootles around on it, wakes me up in the morning when he revs it up outside to leave the house for work. But it's great. It's a great way for him to get around. However, it doesn't really work when we've had the weather we've had this week, where it's chucking it down with rain and blowing a gale. He'd probably end up being blown off it and in the gutter of the road or something. So I was working on this at home and Steve was out at a meeting and I said, look, you know, I'll drop you off and just kind of text me when you want me to pick you up. So I was working on, I'm getting all technical now, working on my iPad. It's great. I'm not very good with technology. But so far, not too bad, apart from this particular moment in my week. I'd been working for about an hour and a half, reading some stuff in the Bible, praying, just really dwelling on kind of what God was saying to me for this morning. Um, turned it off on my iPad, thought, right, get my shoes on, get out. You know, the weather's not great, don't want to leave him waiting out in the rain for me and then suddenly thought I'll just check that it's saved what I've done opened up the iPad and had a moment of shock and horror when that hour and a half's planning had gone there was no trace of it nothing and I kind of sat there for a moment in disbelief I think there was a single tear that went down my cheek of that wasted time that wasted time where's it it's all gone it's all gone and proceeded for about the next five minutes thinking Steve will just have to wait in the rain I don't care now um looking through it thing reopening it closing it reopening it closing it's still not appearing any of you that work with computers are probably feeling my frustration at this moment in time um and just kind of sat and was like, how? How? I did everything right. How could it have gone? And decided, right, I can't wait any longer. I'm just going to have to go and get Steve. And it's just, I'm just going to have to accept it. It's gone. Nothing I can do. Walked out to the car and sat in the car. And suddenly had this light bulb moment, is the only way I can describe it. This moment from God of sitting there going, Liz, what are you doing? You have just spent an hour and a half with God. You've spent an hour and a half reading your Bible, praying, dwelling on stuff that I'm giving you. And yes, it may have disappeared for all to see that you've spent that hour and a half doing that. But surely that hour and a half spent with God was better than probably what else I'd have done with that hour and a half, apart from tidying the house. But do you see what I mean? That hour and a half was spent with God and yes, there might not have been anything physical in that way to see for it, but actually that was much better than probably anything else I could have done with my time at that point. So suddenly this smile crept on my face and I actually felt myself chuckle to me going, this is a brilliant illustration for the talk anyway. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and drove to pick up Steve and told Steve the story. And he, I think Steve was actually quite amazed at my reaction because that isn't the way I'd have normally reacted to something like that. So got home, thought, right, I'll pop some bullet points down just so I can keep fresh kind of the things God had kind of said to me and I'll, I'll have to sort it out tomorrow. So came into work the next day 
and was doing my best to live in that moment of you had an hour and a half with God. It's okay that there's nothing there. It will be fine. And I had my moments of frustration of looking again to check it hadn't miraculously reappeared. And it hadn't. Um, but I would, I'm glad to say most of the day, I think I still managed to live in that, in that place with God on it, into, in that presence of God. And I got home that evening and um, Steve decided in his great wisdom, which I love, that because he was doing some work as well, he'd go out and get us Chinese so we didn't have to, work, have to cook as well as work, which was great. And as he'd gone out to get the Chinese, I opened my iPad, almost not wanting to, thinking I don't want a repeat of the previous evening. And miraculously, it reappeared. Can you believe it? That is, I think, in my world, that is a miracle. It was there in a folder I'd never found before, never even heard of before, never even seen before. It was there. It reappeared. And I text Steve at the Chinese saying, you won't believe what has just happened. It's here. And I actually gave a scream of delight in the house. It was a great, great moment. Absolutely brilliant. I just wonder, though, how much God really wanted to teach me something through that, of actually understanding that being in God's presence, spending time with him is never a waste of time, that if we put something into our day where we get to do that with him, he will meet us. He will meet us where we need him to meet us. He will put something onto our hearts if we give that time to him. And I just think, you know, I kind of think how my normal reaction would be to that. I'd be very stressed. I'd be huffing and puffing. I'd have probably picked up Steve and blamed it all on him because if I hadn't have been picking him up, it wouldn't have happened, obviously. I'd have been really frustrated. I probably wouldn't have slept because I'd have been, you know, when you're that angry, you just can't sleep, can you? Sometimes, you know, when it's all going on in your head and you're like, why has this happened? And actually, instead of that, my next 24 hours were quite peaceful as Brother Lawrence said, quite tranquil because I was dwelling on the fact that I'd had that time with God. And I think, you know, perhaps as I look at my life and and perhaps as you're looking at your own today, there are times when it won't be as easy to make that choice like I did this week, to give that to God, to say, God, you know, that was time with you and that's fantastic. There will be times when it's not that easy. Like, um, Gareth said this morning, there'll be times when we can't say to God, you are holy because of the place we're in. There'll be times where we just can't even pick up our Bible or even think of praying to God because of the situation we're in. But as I was thinking more and more on this idea of what Brother Lawrence's book is called, it's called Practicing the Presence of God. I wonder if they'd called that Living in the Presence of God, how many of us would have found that too hard? We'd have found that intimidating. We'd have said, there's no way I can live 24-7 in the presence of God. How am I going to do that? This idea of practicing, I think, is really key. What we experience of God in this life is just a snapshot of what we're going to experience when we get to heaven. And I think this is almost a practice for living in God's presence there. But on the other side, we are human And we need to practice what it means. We need to practice how we live out living in the presence of God. My experience this week, I really hope, has set me up for that. It's a moment of practice in a fairly easy situation where my life wasn't dependent on it. 
I practiced living in the presence of God. And for me, it's those little steps, those little steps of allowing God in, in little ways to start with that hopefully when the bigger things in life come, we can really live it out because we've done that practicing. And there was, I'm going to talk about another great book now, a great book that I borrowed off Dan Bennett. Dan Bennett's office is amazing. It's like a library. You actually feel like you need to be quiet when you go in, in reverence of all the books that are in there. It's, oh, I love it. It's great. Um, And I borrowed a book off him some time ago now called Sacred Pathways, an incredible book that is just really, really practical. I love practical books that meets me exactly with my personality and everything else and the idea that this book lays out is to find out which way we connect best with God I'll just quickly run through because there's quite a lot in it but just to give you a bit of a taster really just to get us thinking and it goes through all these different types of people of how we connect with the presence of God so you have naturalists who have a real love of God in the outdoors in creation that creation really moves them you have people that are called sensates who use or meet with God through their senses so it might be liturgy the sound of things the sights when they're in church the smells maybe the music all of that together really moves them and and lets them feel in the presence of God. Traditionalists who are very into perhaps ritual symbol, the disciplines of life and the disciplines in faith. I can't, I can never say this word, ascetics, I think, (laughs) is how you say it. Those people that love solitude, simplicity, perhaps sitting alone in prayer for an hour would really just motivate them to be in the presence of God. You have activists who are in God's presence through social action, through loving people, through fighting injustice. Perhaps evangelism is a massive thing with them. That's how they really connect with God. Caregivers, people who love others, put others first. Perhaps they're very big on serving, very big on meeting the needy, on working with the needy. Then you get enthusiasts who are big on worship, on celebration, on kind of being in a big group and and that mystery of worship and and celebrating God through that. You then get the contemplatives who are very much into adoration, into how much they love God, into the love God has for us being quite unfathomable and you can never kind of explain it, understand it. And then you get the intellectuals who are all to do with perhaps the mind, more of the study of doctrine think faith is to be understood as well as experienced. Now, some of those things, you've probably all gone, oh, that is so me, that is so me. And then something else on that list, you've gone, oh my goodness, I cannot think of anything worse than spending an hour in private solitude and prayer. But I just think, this, reading this book and just thinking through this idea of how we connect best with God, how do we feel the presence of God most, has just really impacted me, really. And I know none of these things detract from the fact of coming to church, of being in life groups, of reading our Bibles and all that kind of thing. But it's just a more creative way, maybe, of seeing how you can connect with the presence of God. And when I look at my own life, I'm a big fan of open spaces, of being out of doors, but I'm also quite an intellectual there. I love to study, as you've heard, I love books, I love to read God's word. But I also often quite like solitude and my own space. And when I just kind of think through some experiences I've had, it really kind of shows this up. 
Um, there was once many years ago now, I was walking on the Clent Hills with a couple of friends of mine, and they still make fun of me for the comment I made. And the comment I made was, isn't green amazing? Isn't green amazing? And it was just because there was this moment of being out in nature, in creation, and going, wow, God hasn't just created green, he's created all these shades of green, and I can like see them all here right now. It was a real moment for me. And again, with creation, when I was really fortunate to go on a trip to America to stand on the edge, not quite on the edge of the Grand Canyon, that would be a bit scary, but kind of be at the rim of the Grand Canyon, going to Yosemite National Park, I actually shed a few tears and just prayed and thanked God and worshipped God because of how awesome his creation is. And then some years ago, I spent four days on a silent retreat Oh my word, that was hard. It was an awesome, amazing experience of four days, you know, where you kind of went in and you, you had meals together. It was um, kind of in a, like a B&B that was next to a monastery. So we could go and sit in the monastery and hear the nuns sing. We could walk in the gardens. There was a few different activities we could do, but it was basically four days of silence with God. And I can still remember some of the things God said to me in that time. But it makes me think I need to build that more into my life because that's how I live in the presence of God. That's how God kind of works that in me personally. And I think, you know, kind of for us today, just to think through what are the ways we know we meet with God? How can we build those into a more regular pattern of our daily lives. Maybe not every day, maybe not every week even, but once a month or once a fortnight, build in some of these ideas of where we can practice living in the presence of God. And yes, sometimes they're time-consuming, and when we have got so much in life, it's often quite hard to see how we can fit it in. But it just takes me back to some of the other things I've said this morning. Living in that conversation with God, that's something we can all do in our heads, in our minds, as we're going through our day. But also that sentiment of David, of seeking to live in the house of God every day, of being aware of that, of being aware of ourselves and how we can feel that, how we can live in that day by day. And perhaps recognising what are our biggest distractions. Like I said that night in the week, I could have easily sat in front of the telly, put on a load of different either DVDs, a film, or watched something on the TV. That, for me, is probably quite a big distraction. But instead of that, I had that time with God. What are the distractions that perhaps we need to recognise in ourselves that can be turned into time with God instead? And just to kind of bring us to a finish, really, I love um, Hebrews 13. I feel like there's a lot I've said I've loved today. (laughs) But Hebrews 13 has this great verse that says, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think as we've looked at some of these people from the Bible, we've looked at people like Brother Lawrence today, we can see people over history have thought through how do I live in the presence of God how do I make that part of my daily life and we can see it's something people have always struggled with always questioned always tried to do but as that part in Hebrews 13 says what we can hold on to is that Jesus is the same yesterday 
today and forever. He will never leave us. We are never on our own. If we want to be in his presence, we can be. We just need to look for it. We need to ask for it. We need to seek it. And we're just going to go into a time of worship now as the band kind of come up. And I think it would just be amazing for this worship to be a time of celebration where we can really thank God for allowing us to be in his presence, for us to understand again maybe what it means for us to live in God's presence today and the days that follow and for God to really give us some wisdom on how we can make this part of our daily lives, not just living for the mountaintop experiences. I'll just pray for us. God, we want to thank you that we are in a privileged place where we can live in your presence, Lord, where we can experience your presence on a daily basis. God, we thank you that we are free to do that, that we're in a place where we can make that part of our lives. Lord, as we worship you now, speak to each of us on how we can do this and just let us feel your touch once again and experience the awesomeness of who you are and what it means to be in your presence.